His love endures forever. I want you to say that with me. Endures forever. Let's say it again like you mean it. His love endures forever. Man, it's so good to sing that. I was sitting right back there before I moved over and came up to the stage. It's just good to be surrounded by you guys singing out how God is forever faithful, how he never lets us go. And his love does indeed endure forever. And if you know his love, like I do, Man, just like you guys did, you will sing it and shout it and declare it and marvel in it and, and bask in the warmth of it. Um, and, and just, man, I, I just really want to encourage you guys, every week you have uh, the opportunity to come here and be led by Jared and, and these guys up here leading us in song. It's a, just an incredible opportunity for you to connect with God and have his love just wash over you and to sing loud his praises and declare them to one another. Um, and these last few weeks, we've been talking, you know, really about God's love. And a lot of times uh, when we think about, oh, God loves me, God's always there for me, he never lets me go, we think about the quiet, private moments between us and God. Or maybe we think about where God is in the middle of a crisis and we have to turn to him, or where he is when we're alone in our room opening up our Bible and trying to seek him, or when we're at camp on a camp high and we hear a message, or we, we do a Bible study and, and we sing a song, we feel God there. But I think one of the primary ways if you look through the Bible, that God expresses his love to humanity is through other people. He has given us one another. The Bible calls us the body of Christ to support and encourage and to express his love to us through each other. Now, we don't always do that. A lot of times we hurt each other. Some of you guys have been hurt by someone else in this room, and you have hurt someone else in this room, but that is not how it is meant to be. We're meant to support and encourage and love one another, not just because we're great and we think each other's great, but because God loves us. Because God first loved me, and I know what a jerk I am. I know that he loves you guys. And so I want you to experience the love that I've experienced from him, so I want to love you the way God's loved me, and then you love me back the way God's loved you, and it's just a great big God love fest. And we've been talking about how we can never give that up, and this is the theme verse Hebrews 10, 25, these last three weeks, and we're going to wrap it up today. The verse says this, let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. Okay, uh, you could also say, let us shower each other with God's love. All the more as you see the day of Christ's return approaching. You see, our time on earth is going to end. Jesus is going to come back or we're going to die. And at that point, we're going to be fully in the presence of God, and his love will be on us, and God will be the one loving us directly. And so we only have a limited amount of time on this earth for God's love to flow through us to one another. His presence is not just right here in front of us where we can see him face to face. So every person that you see that loves God and knows God and has been saved by Jesus Christ, that is the face of God for that moment. And that's what we're meant to be. And so our task here is to meet together as often as possible with other believers and to encourage each other with God's love. And so we've really, really, really been digging into this because it is so important. And so two weeks ago, we talked about, you know, how it's not good enough just to meet together. Just come to church every week, go to a Bible study, go to a Christian school, just gather with people because you can just gather and nothing is accomplished. You have to be real 
You see, you can only be truly loved when you feel truly known. Because if someone loves you, but you know that you have secrets that they don't know about you, it's hard to accept that love because you, know, you think, if you really knew the real me, then you wouldn't love me. And so the only time that you can really, really feel loved is if you really, really feel known. And so we talked about how we should never give up meeting together. You should be here. You should be here every week. You should be at your small group every week. You should go to a Bible study if, you, if you're not in one here. Every week you should be gathering with other believers every chance you get. But when you do that, you should never give up being real and being authentic. And then last week, Mike, our high school director, came and he talked to us about accountability, about how it's not good enough just to go and be real and go, here's all my junk, but then we need to call each other out on our junk. He gave the illustration of a guy that hunts wild boars and how one time a wild boar was attacking this man and the dog jumped in between him and the boar and saved his life and how Satan is prowling around like a roaring lion and he's trying to tempt each one of us who love God and how it's our job to jump in between the enemy and our friends and to cut off that sin before it destroys lives. And so really, Mike's message last week in accountability was that we should never give up confronting each other and inviting each other to confront weakness and sin in our lives so that we don't let the enemy get a foothold, get a position in our life where he drags us away from God. And so, you know, it's not enough just to meet together and to be authentic. Then we have to do something about it. We have to say, all right, that's a problem. Or, or maybe you're not admitting it, but I see this problem. Do you see it too? And can you admit it? We need to call each other out on our junk so we can get better and better. But it doesn't stop there. The last piece this morning is then, that, that's kind of the hard part is go, all right, I'm authentic. Now hold me accountable. This is the fun part. This is, then we need to really lift each other up and inspire each other. And so we're going to talk this morning about inspiration, but I want to go back before we get there and address something that David Marvin said earlier. Uh, how many people have a Facebook? I want you to stand up on your feet if you have your own Facebook account. Stand up. Adults, students, everybody. Okay. Maybe about half the room. Now, I want you to remain standing if you're friends with me on Facebook. If you're not friends with me, sit down. What's wrong with you people? <laughs> All right. So, so only about a third of the room is my friend on Facebook. Okay, you guys can sit down. My friends, I love you. Everyone else, not my friends. Uh, my name is David Penuel. I would love to be all of your friend. If you're on Facebook and you're not my friend, that's fine. For those of you that don't have a Facebook or you're not my friend, I want to show you uh, my Facebook profile because I want to be authentic. I want you to know me, all right? And that everybody knows Facebook's the best place in the world to be authentic. <laughs> so read the information here, basic info. You can become a fan of me if you want. David Peniel, my genre, rock and roll. My hometown, Bartlesville, Oklahoma. I love these, this info you can give. Uh, my current location is Dallas, Texas. My general manager is Patrick Bodenhausen. And my booking agent is David Marvin. And that's his phone number if you guys want to type that in your cell phones real quick. Um, my influence, Michael Jackson, Michael Phelps, Michael Jordan, basically all the big Michaels. Um, my band interests, uh, I am a band at, on Facebook. Helicopter piloting, dolphin riding, lion hunting with a shepherd staff, not with a gun. Um, aerospace engineering, martial arts, foreign languages, you know, and my fans. Uh, I love my fans. Uh, here's my biography. David's a one-man show, and many say the greatest show on earth. Born in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, he inherited his rugged yet chiseled good looks 
from his Native American father and All-American mother. In elementary school, he was part of the Gifted and Talented program, and everything after that is history. Anybody else part of the Gifted and Talented program at your school? <laughs> Big things are coming. Look what happened. After winning eight gold medals in the 1996 Olympics at the tender age of 17, David beefed up his modeling career, taking campaigns with Nike and Ralph Lauren. On a break during a photo shoot, he learned that he had the natural ability to play guitar and sing at the same time. Bono overheard him and asked him to tour with U2 in 1997. While on tour, he finished his college degree at Harvard, filmed a movie, and wrote some sketches for Late Night with Conan O'Brien. In 1998, his talents were globally recognized when he received a Grammy, an Oscar, and an Emmy. You guys didn't know any of this about me. Now, after having it all, because here's where you kind of start to know me, David decided it was time to give it all away. Since the late 1990s, David has been traveling the world, there we go, and helping sick and poor people. In 2002, he decided to begin multiplying his gifts through young people and became the junior high director at Watermark Community Church in Dallas. Soon after, he started a family with his beautiful wife, Allie. They have two sons named Chapman and Cole. The world has changed and will never be the same because of David Peniel. Yeah, thank you. You can see the, the brief story over there on the left. I'm a husband, father, pastor, world-class athlete, bodybuilder, model, musician, artist, creative power, actor, performer, philanthropist, and all-around great guy. If you don't believe me, you can just go to my photos section here, and you can see evidence of all of my accolades as we scroll through them. This is when I won eight gold medals. I was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, and I was pretty skinny back then because you have to be to be a swimmer, but then I bulked up from a modeling career. And after that, this is a, a pose that was said to be the inspiration for the movie Zoolander. Uh, then I, this is when I was on tour with Bono and U2. I'm a, that's me. Hi. Um, and then I, this is when I won my Emmy with Conan. Uh, that was really great and fun. Uh, this is me accepting my Oscar right there. It's uh, on my mantle. And, and then I joined the student ministry staff team. There's everybody. And then I had this is my baby boy Cole, and there's Chapman, and that's my family. And so, you know, you can find out everything you want to know about me from my Facebook. Now, how many people think that that wasn't all completely true? Everybody, obviously, right? But that's the beauty of Facebook, all right? For those of you that have it and those of you that don't, I imagine you probably will someday in the next two or three years when you turn 13 and your parents give you the keys to the computer and let you, uh, you know, throw yourself out there on the internet. But, uh, you know, for those of us that have Facebook, the beauty of it is that really you can be whoever you want to be on Facebook. You get to pick what pictures of you are at least tagged. Now, people can post other pictures of you. You can untag them, David Marvin, if you don't want people to see them. But you can really control your image. You can really manage your image on Facebook. You can put on there whatever information about yourself you want to put on there. And any information somebody else says about you, you can delete it and control it. And you can even control who sees you and who doesn't see you and what part of you they see and what part they don't see. You can manage everything on Facebook through your privacy settings and your security settings and then what you actually post. Uh, it's, it's really hard for me to choose a profile picture because I want people to see a, a profile image of me that is uh, the best version of me possible. And so I stress about it and I wait. And when I take a good picture, I'm like, yes, I got a new profile picture. But most of the time they're just bad pictures and they don't make it. But Facebook is a great way 
to manage your image. And I think it's just a reflection of our culture as a whole. Go ahead and click back to the slideshow. I think as a culture, we as a people in America, we love image management. Not just on Facebook, but with this whole digital age, we're able to project ourselves or a version of ourselves out to the world. Let me just show you how crazy the digital age is. You guys know it, right? We live in, you, you all have cell phones and computers, but look at how powerful this really is. Over 210 billion emails are sent out daily. Every day, that many emails are sent. That's more than a whole year's worth of letters that are sent through the United States Postal Service. In one day, so people are sending out information about themselves and receiving it a whole year's worth of what it used to be like before email. By the way, when I graduated high school, I didn't have an email address. So this has all changed in the last 12 years. So you're living in a period of time in the history of the world that's unlike any other period of time where you can control and manage your image. Look, look at what else, uh, just in the digital age, how things have changed. There's three million images uploaded to Flickr every day. That's enough to fill a 375,000 page photo album, all right? So back in the day, you didn't have Flickr, you couldn't just, uh, or Facebook or whatever, you couldn't just put your pictures online. You had to actually have a photo album. Ask your parents what a photo album is later. Um, look at this. Over 43 million gigabytes of data are sent from mobile phones daily. That's enough to fill 1.7 million Blu-ray discs. I don't know enough about gigabytes and Blu-ray discs to know what that means, but I put that up there for the nerds that do. All right, let's see what's next. Bloggers, all right, post 900,000 new posts every day. Every day, there's enough posted to blogs to fill the New York Times, the, the country's largest newspaper, for 19 years. Every day, the New York Times, 19 years of it, is written. That's crazy. People posting information, projecting images about themselves. And then I think there's one, uh, there's two more. Uh, this is about Facebook, since we started with that. There's 45 million new Facebook statuses added daily and 5 million tweets added on Twitter. Every day, people are saying something to the world about themselves. 45 million every day, and then 5 million on Twitter. And then lastly, this is the one that really blew my mind. There's 700,000 new members added to Facebook every day. So every day, almost a million people add on to Facebook. That is the same number as the population of Guyana, okay? And that is a country in South America. Put up the map. It's right there uh, between Brazil and Venezuela. And it's that, the kind of cream-colored country. That entire country's population adds on to Facebook every single day. Isn't that crazy? Wow! That's wild. And it's just evidence to me that we are a culture, we are a people that love image management. We love to project our image to the world. And, and I think every one of you, whether you have a Facebook or not, uh, are the same as me in that you project a certain image. All right, Think about how much time and money you spend on clothes and grooming products to prepare to present yourself to your school every day. Or here, when you came here this morning. You projected a certain image when you walked through the door this morning. We love managing our image. You know, think about how many sports you add on to, not because you just love the sport, but because that's kind of what everybody does and you wanna be known as a football player and not as a guy that, that's not an athlete. So you just join the team just to manage your image. 
Think about how many video games or movies or TV shows or music uh, that, that you download and you listen to or that you buy and that you watch just so that you can enter into conversations with other people. Not because of your love for cinema or your love for music, but it's so that you can manage your image in front of other people and you can fit in. We love image management. Some of us manage multiple images. You have one image with your teachers, one with your parents, one here, one at, uh, uh, at sports, one with just your friends hanging out, one and when you're text messaging that certain person. There's multiple images that you're managing on different platforms. And you have to manage it. Some of you guys are sitting there going, you know what? Not me. I don't care about my image. I don't care and I don't manage it. I don't do any work. Well, I've got a news flash for you. You're managing the image of a person that doesn't want to be known as an image manager. You understand me? <laughs> Your image is, I'm the guy that doesn't care. And so you have to not care about anything to keep up that image. Everybody is managing an image. And we're experts at it. And guess what? This morning at Wake, I'm not going to tell you that that's wrong. I don't think it's wrong to want to be perceived a certain way. It's just natural. We want people to recognize us and to like us. Everybody wants to be known, and everybody wants to be known for something. It's not wrong to have a Facebook. It's not bad to put up only your best pictures and uh, the, the information about yourself that you want other people to know. That's not wrong. That's not bad. I mean, we love image management, and part of that's okay, but here's where the problem occurs. The problem starts when there begins to be a gap. The gap gets bigger and bigger between the image that we project and who we really are. And those should be overlapping some or very close together. But I think a lot of times, if you look at your life and you investigate it, you might begin to see a widening gap between who you want to be or you want others to think you are and who you really are. And so this is really the foundation. All right, I'm just rebuilding the foundation for this never give up idea. Because we need to be consistently never giving up meeting together. Go ahead and put up Hebrews 10.25 again. We need to meet together so that our true identity is known by others. It prevents the widening gap to never give up meeting with other people so they know the real you, so you can't stand at a distance and just manage what people think about you and what people see about you, but you just get in there and, and you get mixed up in each other's lives and you get intertwined and you get connected like this hand is connected to this arm, is connected to this elbow, is connected to this shoulder and, and connected to this head. That's how the body of Christ is supposed to function. And so you're supposed to be intimately connected so that a gap doesn't, doesn't uh, grow between your image and who you really are. Here's why that's a problem. If there's a gap between who you really are and your image, life, everyday life, isn't just about living and enjoying life anymore. Life is about managing an image, which, which involves exaggerations, uh, secrets, hiding things, uh, spending tons of time preparing what you're gonna say or what you're gonna look like, covering up things, erasing things, deleting texts, all this stuff. And all of a sudden your life becomes about image management and not about just living and enjoying life. And so we should never give up meeting together so that we can really be known and so we can really be encouraged and so we can really just enjoy life and not have to worry about tirelessly managing our image. 
And so here's the summary. Put up that, that screen with all those words. This is, I've already done this at the beginning, but I want to just recap what we've talked about here. This verse talks about encouragement. We all want encouragement. Encouragement's only possible when we meet together. So we should never give up meeting together. But simply meeting together isn't enough. Okay, we already said this. Authentic encouragement is only possible for authentic people. So we should never give up authenticity. But simply being authentic isn't enough. We need to encourage each other to move away from sin. So we should never give up accountability. But simply moving away from sin, that's not enough. And this is the final piece. We need to encourage each other to move towards God. Move away from sin and then move towards God. We should never give up inspiration. See, life is only found in a relationship with God. It's not found in image management. You see, God created your image. God knit your image together in your mother's womb. And God has a plan for your life. And as long as you're trying to manage and create your own image and be your own creator, you'll never find life. It'll just be an endless cycle of exaggeration, covering them up, creating, deleting, and on and on. But true life, freedom is found when you find your real you, you let other people know it, you find who God created you to be, and you just live. And so we need to encourage each other to move towards God because God alone has the secret. God has the truth. God knows the real you. Some of you guys have been managing your images for so long you don't even know who you are. But God does. You might only know part of who you are. You might have no idea what your purpose is on this earth, but God knows it. He knows why you look the way you look. He knows why you've been through the troubles that you've been through. He knows why your abilities are limited in the way you wish they were not limited. He knows why, and he created you for a purpose and a plan and a reason, and it's better than anything you could create for yourself. So we have to push each other towards that God. Yes, pull each other away from sin, but then push each other, go, go find God. Let me tell you what God's taught me. Let me tell you what God's done in my life. You find the same thing. Let me show you what God says in his word to you about you. And so the application this week is to encourage each other to move towards God and never give up inspiring each other. Now, this is not as hard as it sounds. This is simple. And so I've asked David Marvin, why don't you and whoever you've got to come up on, on stage, I've asked David Marvin to get two or three other leaders and just come up here on stage, whoever they are, four or five, and just share with you something that has inspired them from God's word. So they're just going to read a verse and tell you what it's meant to them. It's going to take like 30 seconds each. But this is the application that I want you to get your arms around. When you meet together, you should speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, the Bible says in Ephesians. And so at the beginning of your small groups, I want to challenge you, small group leaders, just to sit down. And we do this sometimes with my guys. And to go, hey, what have you read in God's word? What have you learned from God's word this week? And then just have somebody raise their hand and go, well, I'll never forget when Martin, Martin, John, MJ, you're back there, right? Yeah, I'll never forget a couple weeks ago, I asked that question. Um, we were over at Parker's house and Martin just said, hey, Philippians 4, 6. And he memorized the verse and he said the verse to the group. He said what it meant for his life and I was inspired. And I think others in the group were too, just speaking God's word and saying what it means. And so he pushed me towards that God, Right? He pushed me towards him. So, you guys, you've got the mic. Uh, just, just show them how easy it is to inspire others. Okay. Um, well, I'm reading through Acts right now, and um, 
just a quick verse that I was able to uh, bring up when David asked me was um, basically Acts chapter 5. It's uh, 5 verse 29. And so a little quick setting is um, the, uh, the, the apostles are preaching and they're healing people and they're talking about Jesus and they're teaching the word. And, um, you know, the Pharisees and the, and the people in charge basically say, you can't do that. We're going to arrest you. you know, we're going to put you in jail, whatnot. And um, so verse 29 says, But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus. Um, and so, um, you know, just a quick reminder that, uh, you know, remind us who we answer to and who we're ultimately obeying. And that, you know, Dave was talking about projecting an image. How awesome would it be if the image we projected to people was, um, you know, what I care about most is God and, you know, not what other people think of me. And, and I'm not going to answer to um, everybody's opinion, but I'm going to answer to God, and that's who I believe in, and that's ultimately who you know determines what I do and who I am. Okay, so every year uh, at the beginning of the year, what I do is I I get a, either a passage of scripture or a chapter in the Bible that I decide that I'm going to pray that scripture for the year and try to focus the way I'm living my life on that one scripture. And, and it's funny that it kind of all tied in with. Um, you know, with kind of what David was talking about today, because I titled it this, this year, Verse That I'm Going to Focus on Inspiring My Walk with Christ. Um, this year, I, you know, I focus on 1 Peter 4, 7-11. through 11. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one of you should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully, administering God's grace in various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him the glory and power forever. Amen. So, I mean, I just picked that verse because, I mean, it's, it's black and white right there. I mean, it tells me what I'm supposed to be doing when I'm speaking to people who may not know, know about Christ, or maybe even who do know Christ. And I'm supposed to be speaking it through the words that God gives me. So that's kind of my focus for the year. Hi. Um, just going through my Bible, this is one verse that, was the that stood out to me. Um, it's Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 through 13. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or living in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Um, I think so often in this world, we're told to be better, do more, and we always think that one more thing is going to make us happy, make us better, and make us whole. And too often, um, we forget to give praise to the things that we have. So that's something I've been really trying to humble myself and give thanks for all the Lord's given me. Um, kind of like how Matt said he picks out a verse for the year, I kind of have a chapter that I've done for my life, um, which is Psalm 25. And so I'm just going to read a couple verses from there that says, um, it's verses 8 through 10. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. Um, and just that part of the chapter really has been speaking to me lately, um, just the pure and basic simple that, um, that God is good. Um, sometimes we can lose that in the busyness and craziness that life is and, and when things get hard and when things get tough. And, and just knowing that God is good and that his ways are good, is, um, it's really brought me comfort and joy lately. All right. Well, let's, let's hear it for them, everybody. 
David did not on purpose. He didn't call them earlier this week and ask them to come prepared with something eloquent to say. He asked them this morning to be ready to encourage you from God's word. And they were ready. And I bet if he asked some of you, you'd be ready too. But that's what we should do is be ready to encourage each other from God's word. That inspired me. That inspired me to go find a verse that I'm going to drive towards this whole year. Inspired me to remember to live for God and not for the opinions of man. And inspired me to remember to be thankful and remember my God and remember what he's given me and not constantly be chasing after more and to be content no matter what the circumstances. So how great would that be if you guys never gave up meeting together? You got together every week and when you met together, you were real and you challenged each other. You held each other accountable to, to drive away from sin, but then you inspired each other with God's word and you gave yourself something holy to run towards. That would be awesome. Joshua 1.8 is what we're going to close with. Joshua 1.8, they were entering kind of the promised land and you guys are entering adulthood, going through junior high. And here's what Joshua said to the people after they left Egypt, wandered through the wilderness and they're getting ready to start a new life. He said, don't let the book of law depart from your mouth. That means always be talking about it. And he said, meditate on it day and night so that you can be careful to do everything that's written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Don't let the book of law depart from your mouth. Always talk about God's word with each other. Don't get together and not open up the Bible and discuss what it means and share what you've learned. But always be talking about it and then always be thinking about it. Meditate on it day and night and then do it. Talk about it. Think about it. Do it, and then enjoy it. You'll be prosperous and successful. So put up the application slide. This is what I want you to walk out of here and do this morning, is inspire each other to move towards God by doing this. You get together, and you talk about what God has done. You don't have to be in one of our small groups to do this. Ask somebody to meet you 10 minutes before school starts at school. Sit down and go, hey, what have you read in God's Word? What has God done in your life? Think about what God has said and done. Don't just walk away and forget it. It says meditate on it day and night. Read the Bible on your own. Think about it. And then live for God. Let it change the way you actually live and then enjoy your life. The promise is there. You'll be prosperous and successful. You'll find out who you are and you'll know God's plan and you won't have to spend all your life managing an image. I'm gonna go home and delete that Facebook because it's not real and it's not me. All right? And so get, get, get over, get past your image management and find out who God really created you to be. And you can only do that when you never give up meeting together, being authentic, accountable, and inspirational as a community of Christ followers. Let me pray. Dear God, I thank you so much for these students and the way that they, they sit here every week and they, and they listen. And even if they soak up just a little bit of your word, I, I pray that it is just having a harvest in their lives. And I thank you that they also go to their small groups and after they've listened here, they discuss and that many of them encourage each other the way we're talking about to be authentic, accountable, and inspirational in one another's lives. And I pray that you would build them up and mature them and make them world changers for your name and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.